So you should be open up to Isaiah 58. And let me just give you two more reasons before I read a few verses. In Matthew 6, Jesus was teaching the Sermon on the Mount. And he said a few things. He said, when you give, and then he gave instructions on how to give. It was implied that they were givers. He said, don't do it. You know, let never, you know, make sure you give in secret and with a pure heart. And then he said, and when you pray, and he told him how to pray because the guys would say, I'm going to pray. I'm praying. You know, you know, and they would pray and long prayers that were not for God, but they were for people, you know, and he said, don't do that. And then he also said, and when you fast, and he told him how to fast, he said, make sure when you fast, you don't walk around like a grump, you know, and looking like, a, you know, he said, look good, get dressed up, put some oil on your face and don't let anybody know you're fasting because that's not the point of fasting is to, you know, get that at a boy or at a gal from the people around you. Now there's a lot to take away from that teaching, but what I would point out most of all is that Jesus expects us to fast and to pray and to serve. Man, how's our nation doing? How are you doing? I'm not going to become a legalist here and you know, connect the dots or anything, but there's some things in our nation that are out of order. And, and I wonder if it's because of our spiritual disciplines by and large are additionally out of order. There's things we're just not doing. Jesus one time took his boys up to the mountain of transfiguration. And when he was coming down the mountain, he went down back into the city into chaos. And you guys remember there was a man there with his son who was demon possessed. And man, he can't, just, my family's tore up. And, and I went to your disciples and they tried to pray and tried to help and they couldn't. Can you imagine? This is the apostles, not the B-apostles. And they can't do it. There's nine of them left. The three amigos had been up with Jesus and they've been praying and trying. It's not working. And Jesus simply says, oh yeah, this type only goes out with prayer and fasting. And Jesus rebuked that illness, that demon. And if you think that through, it's like, okay, so we got a problem. So if there's an immediate problem, which there was, I got to go pray and fast for a week and I'll be right back. Like, who wants to hear that? You know, what kid, what, what parent with a kid? Oh, 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 you can't help. Oh, for, okay. The illustration, the implication is, is you can't store up, or should I say, lean on fasting in the immediate necessity. It has to be a discipline of seeking the Lord, of minimizing the flesh, of availing yourself to him. Skipping a meal or two in our country, that's a big deal. Has your waiter ever brought you the wrong food? <laughs> or inferior food or cold food or the wrong, you know? <laughs> you know? You don't mess with our food. And yet there's so many things in our life, in my life, I'll speak to me because I don't know what you guys are going through. There's so many things that have just taken my sensitivities to the Lord and, and numbed them and dumbed them. As a matter of fact, most of us have some sort of pain in our day every single day, a frustration. It's guaranteed in Genesis chapter three, it's guaranteed you're gonna suffer in this life. And so you and I have reactors and reactions to the situations we find ourselves in. I'm gonna turn the music up. I'm gonna turn the TV on. I'm gonna log on to Facebook. I'm gonna scroll. I'm gonna, you fill in the blanks. I'm gonna eat, all these things. Listen, when you have pain, I wanna encourage you guys who are gonna fast this week. When you have pain, what do you do? Twinkies? 
TV. I mean, you, you, some of it is not innately evil and wicked. But as a Christian, we're, we, we don't like pain. And I want to encourage you that pain, whatever kind of pain it is, it's kind of like those indicator lights on your dashboard when you're driving around. Don't you hate those? Check engine light comes on. Ah, you know, just ah. And the easiest way to fix those is just to put electrical tape right over the top of them. Just, it's not there anymore. Just, it's gone. It feels so much better. But the reality is there's something that needs to be checked in your engine. And so when an indicator comes on in your life, we're so quick to numb it and to dumb it. And yet the Lord might say, hey, I, I gave that to you. It's a sense. And I want you who are Christians, especially now, if not now, then when? Especially now with COVID and the coronavirus and everything has been shut down. Disneyland is still closed. I'm not sure what you're saving your money for right now. It's still closed. And there's things that have been taken away from us. And now would be the best time, in my opinion, to say, okay, Lord, here's your servant. I'm listening. I believe God's going to speak. I believe God has things for us. This is what he says in Isaiah 58, verse six. I'm just going to read a few verses. Then we're going to segue into 1 Peter chapter two. Do a little more teaching out of what we saw last week. This is what God says in Isaiah chapter 58, verse six. He says, is this not the fast that I have chosen? You should pull out your pen and highlighter at that point. This is the one God wants. He says, it's to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out when you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh, that is your own brothers and sisters in need? Verse eight, then your light shall break forth like the morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The Lord, the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard and then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and the speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and the spring of water whose waters do not fail. And those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. And I don't know about you, but when I think of skipping a few meals, that's usually not what happens. I usually get weird. Things don't go right. And yet the Lord says, if you seek my face and if you ask and if you knock, okay, I will hear. I will hear if you humble yourself, Second Chronicles 7.14. And if you repent, I will hear from heaven and I will heal your land. This is so fun, you guys. You guys know this, that our church is doing this. Lincoln City Calvary Chapel is doing this. Calvary Chapel Corvallis is doing this. The Ashland Christian Fellowship is doing this, all, all starting today, all week long. All these churches. I didn't even know, like some of these churches, they're like, yeah, we're doing it too. And, oh. 
And I don't know what you're doing with your Christianity. I'm trying to take mine as serious as possible. I'm trying to actually make an impact and influence in the lives of the people around me. And I'm not always good at it. Sometimes I come up real short. And I believe this week is going to be a time where the Lord says, seek me and you'll find me. So I'm going to say a prayer before we get into the next portion of what we're going to do. Actually, before I do that, let me just give a little bit more instruction. What I would encourage you guys to do is to every time, say no to something and say yes to something greater. My plan, just so you guys know, I'll give you some ideas. My plan is to have in my pocket verses that I intend to memorize. I'm actually gonna put them in my back pocket and I'm gonna cut them out in the exact shape of my iPhone. (sighs) So it feels good. I might even put them in my iPhone case. That's probably a great idea. You can write that down. And I'm gonna pull my phone out because I pull my phone out about six or 700 times a day. And every time I pull my phone, I'm gonna say, oh yeah. Hi, Lord. How you doing? That's right. Oh, that's right. That's right. I'm seeking your face this week. I forgot. I forgot because you got to retrain your brain and I'm going to read scriptures and I'm going to purpose in my heart to read some books and to journal and to take walks and to pray and to seek the Lord. And I'm going to be creative in that. It's not going to be easy. And I'm going to make sure I have replacements for my pain receptors. I'm sad right now. What are you going to do? I'm going to log on to Facebook and I'm going to scroll until my thumb breaks. Oh, no, 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 that's not what I'm doing. I don't do that anymore. That's right. That's right, Lord. This week, I'm not doing that. This week, I'm going to memorize a verse. I'm going to get comfortable and familiar with Romans chapter eight. I'm going to tuck it away. I'm going to read Psalm one over and over. I'm going to commit it to memory. I'm going to read these books. I'm going to serve. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give and, and text people and message people and love people. And I'm, Lord, going to worship you and, and I'm going to pray. We all don't have it here, but there is a prayer journal, a listening journal, really. And this listening journal was released last week. Uh, Dr. Paul Shones wrote this listening journal. And the intention is just for you to have a guide that you would go through daily for 30 days. It's actually a 30-day challenge. It uh, came out the same time as our week of prayer and fasting. And so those will be available free of charge. We paid for those and bought those from Paul to support him and his effort. Uh, those are available at the South Beach offices this week. I'll have some here tonight also. And so we want you guys to be pressing into the Lord in those various ways. So, hey, let's just pray real quick and ask God to help us to pray. You ever ever pray to pray? That's That's how messed up we are. Let's do it. Lord, in Jesus' name, we do pray to pray. We ask, Lord, that you would give us those hearts. Lord, that you would break chains. You would, Lord, deliver souls. You would restore relationships. You would grant miracles and signs and wonders and healings. Lord, you would meet us in our pain. Lord, I would be the first to repent. I'm gonna repent tonight again, but I would be the first to confess, Lord, I'm addicted to the things of this world, the silly things of this world. We live in the age of consumerism, Lord, the age of technology, the age of pleasure, the age of comfort, Lord, more than any other person. We live like kings did, all of us. We have everything afforded to us, right? The fingertips, Lord. And so we say, Lord, please help us. Help us, Lord. Help us not to be like the Pharisees who walk around all sad and prideful and want other people to look at us and we do it wrongly, but instead to, like Isaiah, to have a fast, Lord, that is one of beauty and service, one of joy and freedom, one of oneness with you. So Holy Spirit, would you guide us, each and every one of us? Maybe you're here right now and you don't know what to do and you're not sure how to go about a fast. Lord, would you show, would you guide I had one person text me and say they're scared because they don't want to do it wrong. I said, well, praise God, we're not under the law. There is no wrong way to do it. There's no legalism here. We're not showing off for you, God. We're not flexing our might, but instead we're focusing on your might. So set us free, Lord. Bless the other churches as well and give us a next uh, 10 minutes together in your scriptures, Lord. May it be profitable as we equip the body, Lord, for what's to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said?
Amen. Well, check this out. Last week, turn to First Peter chapter 2 now. Last week on Wednesday, we got a brand new president. Did you guys see that? We got a brand new president. You don't need to all start cheering right, right away, um, but... Um, you know what I'm saying? we got a brand new administration and a brand new president. And I'm going to read to you. It's, the verse is going to go up on the screen in just a minute here. You can actually put it up there. It's 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. This is what it says. It says, Therefore, I exhort first of all that all First of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who, listen, desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Stop right there, eyes up here. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. And in 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, I want you to pray for the president. I want you to pray for all men everywhere in authority. And he goes on to unpack it. And verse four is my favorite because God wants all men saved. Don't raise your hand or react too much, but how many of you guys find it difficult to pray for the president that you didn't vote for? Maybe I should ask you to raise your hands. It's difficult to pray for the president you didn't vote for. Paul commands Timothy, pray for the president. Why? Because I want everybody saved. So it's peaceful where you're at. It's a command and an exhortation for you and I to pray for our president. And yet, let's be honest, immediately after Joe Biden took office, within hours, sat down at the Oval Office executive desk and began to sign in executive orders, undoing some of the things that Donald Trump had put into place to protect the sanctity of life, the sanctity of marriage, the sanctity of creation and gender. And all of these things that were kind of, kind of stoppers were undone within hours. And if you have any kind of thought, you're like, oh, buckle up, helmet on, shield, sword, here we go. So the question that comes to mind as Christians, what do we do? Well, we're commanded here what to do. And if you were at church last week, we studied out of 1 Peter chapter 2, where Peter simply says in 1 Peter, he says in verse 13, therefore submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. I've got that highlighted. Whether to the king is supreme, that's the Nero, uh, Caesar, or to President Joe Biden, or to the governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free yet not using your freedom as a cover for wickedness, but as bondservants of God. Stop right there, eyes up here. Now, when you read this at face value, which I did last week and I gave a little bit of teaching, Peter doesn't really give us any examples or instruction on how to do this. He actually just says, do it. And there's probably some people here who are like, I don't know if I want to. We can't just submit to the government. That's what it says. We can't do that. What if, what if they're evil? He, he goes on, and I read it last week. He says, because even Christ, when reviled, reviled not back, when he was taken to the slaughter, he didn't resist. So even when things aren't right, the command of God, because what it comes down to is authority. And you and I who sit here today, we submit to the highest authority. And so because we submit to the highest authority, the scriptures being the highest authority of mankind, he then tells us it's okay for you to submit to lesser authorities because you have your high authority established and you can trust the Lord. 
that God is going to do what God is going to do. He actually tells us, I want you guys to see this if you're looking for some instruction and, and I'm gonna try my best to talk fast and you guys can listen quick. He says in verse 15, he says, for this is the will of God that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Have you seen any ignorant or foolish politicians out there before? <laughs> it's kind of funny. You guys can lose some up, it's okay. And what does he say to do? You do good because in so doing, you'll put to silence ignorance and foolish men. We wanna silence, guys, we wanna have our way. The way he commands you and I to do it is to do good. The first thing we're commanded to do is to pray for our leaders. Hopefully you're doing that all week long, pray. Why? Because God wants them saved. You might not, your heart might be protected and hardened and calloused and all the rest. God wants every man saved everywhere. He's way different than I am. I pray it often for my enemies that God would arrest them. God says, no, I love them. I forgive them. Pray, pray, pray pray. Wouldn't it be, I had this thought this morning, wouldn't it be incredible if Joe Biden became radically filled with the Holy Spirit, saved, okay, from the floor to the core, and he began to look at his position and say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to, as for me and my house, we're going to see, we're going to serve the Lord. That's what we're going to do. What if he did that because of the collective prayers of America? We prayed for our president that God would save his soul and God would fill his body and overtake his mind. Wouldn't that be awesome? Thank you. Yes. So we're to pray, we're also to do good. We're to find ourselves trusting the Lord because he says in verse 16, as free yet not losing liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bond servants of God. I, I changed the words when I read that to you because verse 16 is very confusing in the New King James language. Let me just make sure you see what he's saying. First, I want you to pray. Second, I want you to do good. Thirdly, listen, I don't want you to do bad. He says, you're free. Don't use your freedom as a cloak for vice, for wickedness. Let me use English words that we would normally use. Just because you're right, doesn't mean you get to do wrong to make a right. Two wrongs don't make a right. You guys understand that, right? Somebody does wrong, that's wrong. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and do wrong too, because I'm free. And then those two wrongs will make a right. Right? Wrong. Is anybody writing this down? This is good stuff. Everybody is in authority to somebody. Parents are put over authority to children. Citizens are put under authority to leaders. Employees are in submission to employers. Citizens are in submission to first responders and to public servants. And there is order. Citizens are in submission to the law. We're under the law. And yet what happens is, as we pray for our leaders and as we do good, there are people who break those authoritarian rules and submission relationships. And the temptation then for a Christian is to say, that's not good, therefore, I'm gonna take it into my own hands. I'm gonna read verse 16 again. As free, yet not using your liberty as a cloak or cover for wickedness, but as bond servants of God. Now, let me just chase this. I want you guys to understand what I'm talking about here. See, in America, there is a set of rules that the government has established that if you as a Christian who have a higher authority, which is God, just do what the world says. You know that the world has legislated and legalized sin. Have you guys seen this before? There are things in our government that the government says, it's okay to do that. But we read this book, we're like, well, no, it's not. No, it's not. 
And so, you know what we do as Christians? We go back to number two, we do good. We don't do evil. Matter of fact, our government says that it is okay, it's lawful, okay, to commit adultery. It used to be a crime. They said, no, we can't make it a crime. It's, it's frowned upon, it's, it's poor, it's bad taste, you know, we're not, but I think you can do whatever you want. The government has said that. The, the law of God, no, don't commit adultery. Don't do it. It's a bad one. Don't do it. The government has legislated, and there's, this is our Sunday school class, there's kids here, all types of perversion and all types of deviance. And you can go any state, anywhere you can do, every state has a different variance of, okay, we say that's okay here. And yet the Bible says, nope, it's not okay. It's not okay to do that. Just because somebody says it's okay doesn't mean it's okay. So what we as Christians are to do is to follow a higher authority, which is God's law. And when somebody breaks that authority, the temptation is, is to then take matters into our own hands. We saw this actually when George Floyd lost his life. A lot of complications there. Police brutality was on the table, injustice. Although the previous crime was in George Floyd's camp. He was full of drugs and committing crimes and he had broken an authority. So the police on the scene that day and the investigation continues, they took authority and, and they went too far. And then when that happened and he lost his life and it was all on a cell phone, then the rest of the world took authority and they went too far. And businesses and local towns went up in smoke. Billions and billions of dollars. And it just kept escalating. And one group is offended by wrong. And instead of praying and doing good and not doing evil, the temptation is to then take it too far into your own hands. I know I'm in the deep end of the pool in bringing this up. But isn't it amazing that Peter doesn't give us really any, he just says, just do it. He gives, he gives examples of Jesus. Remember when Jesus was arrested in the garden? I mean, talk about a high offense. You can't arrest God. Like that's a bad day. Talk about abuse of power, like, you know? And so what's Peter do? Peter shows up and he's like, oh, we ain't having it, you know? And he cuts Malchus's ear off. And Jesus says, no, here's the deal. The Romans, they're in charge. It's established. Put your sword away, Peter. We're going to let this run its course because heaven is not here. This world is cursed. It's messed up. It's imbalanced. Everyone right now wants Zion, heaven, utopia. The Republicans, the Democrats, you, me, everybody wants perfection. It is not here. And there's brokenness here. So what do we do as a nation? As we sit back and watch this administration now override what I say are God honoring sanctity of life orders that are now null and void. We pray, we do good. And we don't get involved in doing evil. Verse 16, don't do it. You're free. Don't use it as a cloak, a covering for wickedness. Then he uses the simple illustration. I want you guys to see this. Verse 21. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us as an example that you should follow his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Listen, this is so important. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return when he suffered he did not threaten right here, 
but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Do you guys believe God knows all? Do you guys believe God sees all? Do you God, do you guys believe that God is over all? That's good news. Jesus committed himself to the God who establishes righteousness. Nothing will be done on this earth that God does not see and that God will not balance and that God will not take into account. You don't have enough information. You don't have enough authority. You don't have enough compassion. Pray, do good, and don't do evil. Guys, I'm, I'm in the red zone now with time, but I wanna give you three more thoughts. Because the question then comes up for a Christian. Well, when do we stand our ground, Pastor Luke? You know, you ever had that question go through your mind? If you didn't, I just put it there. You know, when do we stand our ground? When do we exercise biblical civil disobedience? Let me give you three principles for biblical civil disobedience. For when you say to the government, no more, for you. Right now, the government has already given you permission to commit sin and crimes against God. You don't have to do it. Right now, as far as I can tell, the government hasn't imposed upon you or me any infringements upon the scriptures. I can pray, I can read, I can believe, I can preach, I've got that freedom, I can do all these things. They have not yet taken that. And so the time has not yet come as far as I can ascertain that the government has taken my freedoms away from faith. What happens when they do though? Three things, three principles you must have in play for biblical civil disobedience. Number one is the authority of scripture. Not one verse, not two, lots. Where the government comes in and conflicts directly with scripture, not just your opinion, not just what you're doing, but just scriptures. Acts chapter four, they told the men who were preaching in Jesus' name, you can't preach in Jesus' name anymore. It's illegal. They looked at each other and said, well, we're either gonna obey you or God. What do you guys think we should do? And these were God-fearing Jews. And they said, ah, oh, that's a trick question. Get out of here, you know. You better have some scriptures. Verses, lots of them. If you're going to disobey the government. Scriptures, not just, a, not, not just that. Secondly, and this is important, not just scriptural authority, but personal humility. This is very important, guys. When are we gonna stand our ground? Well, when you do, you better have some verses. And secondly, you better have some humility. When Stephen was stoned to death, Acts chapter seven, he defended the truth to the lawmakers. He said, guys, this is the scriptures. He told them the, one of the longest Bible stories in the Bible, Acts chapter seven. It's the longest chapter in the book of Acts. We'll get there in a couple of days. And it's all the Bible. Here's this, here's this, here's this, there's this. And then when they picked up stones to kill him, they gnashed their teeth, plugged their ears and ran at him violently. You know what he did? He smiled and he prayed. He said, Lord, would you forgive them? Don't hold this to their account. And the Bible says his face shone like that of an angel. <laughs> He's getting killed. Corporal punishment right there. He's got the verses. He's resisting and he's humble. Usually when I get defensive, I'm in trouble. How about you? You guys ever, when I get combative, I usually have to delete that text or like, you know, suffer the consequences. Scriptural authority, personal humility. Last thing, and I'm gonna end with this. If, when are we gonna stand our ground? How's it gonna look? Not just those two things, but the third thing, ultimate responsibility. Those other two things don't go away. You still have them. 
The third thing you have to have when you're going to stand your ground and resist the government push back, you are going to suffer the ultimate responsibility of your actions. When Paul resisted Caesar Nero, he said, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. The guillotine is this way. And Paul said, let's go. When Peter resisted against Caesar Nero, he said, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. The cross is that way. Let's go. Crucified upside down. When Daniel resisted in chapter three, and it was outlaw chapter six, where he couldn't pray anymore. The government had mandated prayer illegal. He had scripture to say, nope, I got to pray. He had humility in his prayer. And then he suffered the ultimate responsibility of his actions. Let's go. I become kitty food. And they took him to the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they were asked to bow down, they said, we can't bow down. That's not what happens. They were humble. Sorry, O King Nebi, not what we do. Well, you're going to go in the fire then. Would you like us to escort ourselves in? Or are you going to toss us in? We'll do it. <sighs> Maybe something to pray about this week. Do I have scriptural authority? Right now, again, our country is founded upon biblical mandates. I posted a quote from John Adams, the second president of the United States of America last night on Facebook. And he said that our, our constitution was written for a group of people that are holy, spiritual, moral, and religious. And our constitution cannot govern a people of any other sort. Our freedoms right now, all the things we have and enjoy, they only work when you have a higher authority. This country only works when it is submitted to Jesus Christ and his word. What's gonna happen next in the future? I don't know. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna do good. For this is the will of God. For in doing so, you'll silence ignorant and foolish men. And don't do evil. Do you guys remember our buddy Jojo? Joseph? Dreamer of dreams. Talk about injustice, corruption, overreach, abuse of power, and sin. What did Joseph do? He prayed, he did good, and he suffered the ultimate responsibility. He took it. And what did God do? God worked it out for good. Here's the cool thing, Christians. We have an opportunity to be a witness to a world that does not yet know God. If you know God, every time I get together with Christians and pray, I'm so just humbled. I'm like, <laughs> you guys know God? Whoa, I do too. I can't believe it. You know, it's the best. What else is there? This is it. And like Joseph, we can trust that the Lord is doing bigger things. One of the last lines out of Joseph's mouth in his latter days, after he'd suffered for 20 plus years, betrayal, slavery, injustice, imprisonment, blackmail, desertion, everything. You think it's bad for, for us? No, no. And Joseph said, oh, this is crazy. What Satan meant for evil, God meant for good that he might save many people alive. No greater injustice than the death of Jesus Christ. You killed God? <laughs> Whoops. And yet that's how God saved the world. The things that are in play right now for the United States of America, for the government, for the world, that is above your authority and pay grade. He has commanded you and I what to do. 
So do those three things. Do those things. Pray. Do good. Don't do evil. If you feel like it's time to stand your ground, to count your ammo, get your water purifier ready, you know, make sure you got some verses. Make sure you're humble. And make sure you're ready to die. Dietrich Bonhoeffer resisted his government. During World War II, he saw his German government and the atrocities. And so he... <coughs> <coughs> no, can't do this. They said, you be quiet or we're going to kill you. He had verses, he had humility. And just two days before the war ended, they hung Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He died a young man. Resisting evil by doing good by praying, by being humble. And thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of people have been impacted by his ministry since, in his death. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? Lord, in Jesus' name, we, we pray for our nation. We pray for ourselves. Lord, we pray for Joe Biden, in Jesus' name. We pray for Kamala Harris, Lord. Lord, I ask in Jesus' name that you'd radically save them. That you'd radically save them, Lord. You'd forgive them of their sins. That you'd convict them, Lord, of their ways. That you'd do the same to the Senate and to the House, Lord. All these things that are above us, Lord, you command us to do so. As we humble ourselves, we're just in Lincoln County. We're pretty much as far away as we could get. And yet we offer our prayers to you for the peace of all men. Because God wills that all should be saved. And Lord, we ask that you'd anoint us this week to do good, to not get swept up in other things, to not pull out our swords and cut off Malchus's ear like Pete did. And would you also, Lord, show us that the things of this world, that the world says is okay, or maybe even this group says is okay, we say, no, I don't think that's okay. I'm not gonna use my freedom as a cover of wickedness. Well, Lord, we love you. We thank you for this special day, Lord. Bringing Tobias and Andrea and Grayson and Colton up. And Lord, we get to do it all again at the next service. It's crazy. I pray that you prepare our hearts tonight to worship you and seek you. We're so desperate for you. So desperate for you. Bless this week of prayer and fasting, Lord. We trust you in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.